I invite you to imagine with me one of your favorite things to do. Something where if you had an entire week free of your typical day-to-day -day responsibilities, you could focus an entire week on doing that one thing. I'm a runner. I love to run. I run every single day. For me, running is a really good discipline. It helps me to focus. It's a great way to start my day. Um, and it gives me more energy than a cup of coffee. But I know that not everyone in this room is a runner like me. Um, my husband, on the other hand, is a huge fan of Lego. Anybody else in here love to build with Lego? handful. Awesome. He is especially a big fan of Star Wars Lego. And if he had an entire week free of work and other responsibilities, he could spend it researching new Star Wars Lego releases, trying to decide which Star Wars Lego he might like to prioritize to purchase, he would daydream about what display cases he would buy to put his Legos in and on. And of course, he would spend a great majority of his time building the Star Wars Lego, which he actually did yesterday, spent quite a bit of time on his Star Wars Lego. This morning at Clay Church, we are launching a new sermon series that will take us through the month of May. It's called 167. And if I have heard nothing else, I have heard questions about what does 167 mean? And I'm going to tell you. There are 168 hours in a seven-day week, and many of us spend one hour a week in this concentrated focus on God. So that would be right now, here in a pew on Sunday morning, or maybe you've joined us online. So I invite you to come with me the next four weeks in this opportunity for us to explore together what our church and our community and our world could look like if each one of us dedicated all 168 hours to expanding Christ's kingdom. This series, I hope, will encourage and perhaps challenge us in our focus during the other 167 hours that we spend outside of the church walls on a week-to-week -week basis. This morning, we will actually not be in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been walking through the book of Matthew ever since January, but today, instead, we will launch into the Psalms. But before we get there, um, let's pray together. Glorious God, we thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for each of our interests and our passions and our talents. God, I ask that our minds and our hearts would be open to hearing your still, soft voice, that we will be prepared to encounter your gentle nudges in each of our spirits today. Thank you for the unique calls that you place in our hearts and for the divine call that you give to the church. 
Give us hearts that are elastic and moldable to the work of your spirit this morning. Amen. Over the course of the next four weeks, we are going to be exploring some of the wisdom literature together and learning how we can learn how to give God all 168 hours of our week. Today, we will be in Psalm 145, and in the coming weeks, we will also explore wisdom from Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. You are welcome to follow along in your Bible as we read Psalm 145 or the words on the screen. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise your name and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All of your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of all those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his name forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 145 is one of at least 73 psalms attributed to David, and David is typically thought of as one of the great iconic kings of Israel. While the psalm was most likely recited while David's descendants were still in captivity in Babylon, it was likely written down in response to the Israelites returning to Jerusalem after this decades-long captivity. The Israelites would have been rebuilding their worship practices in the Holy Land and trying to dig for their identity in this vast Persian empire in which they had suddenly found themselves. Because the Israelites were now living as part of the Persian Empire, which had its own system of government, 
they would no longer have been permitted to have their own king. So it was not possible for Israel as a holy land to establish its own laws and its own government in order to have its own justice system and its own identity. So instead, during this time of transition, they would have needed to focus on God as their king in order to establish their own moral codes. In this time, the presence of God as king became a gravitational force for the Israelites to live their lives around, to focus on. This song of praise was not a simple ode for a king who would live and reign and pass away, but a song of praise for the king who would live and reign forever. The song of praise was a way to hold on to God's everlasting promise. And this psalm calls each of us to live a lifetime of holiness. So what does holiness mean? Holiness, by definition and by translation, means to be set apart. So what can our lives look like and how can our lives change over the course of the next four weeks when we practice setting aside every single moment as being an act of worship to God? With the inspiration of this psalm, we are challenged with today's prompt, pray every moment holy. In the midst of global and personal turmoil and uncertainty, directing our focus on praise anchors us to our faith. So what does it look like to praise God even in the midst of struggle? This psalm, as we just mentioned, was born out of a time of transition and questions about identity and trying to reestablish Israel in Jerusalem. The Israelites had lost their ability to self-govern, and they found themselves in the position of being strangers in their own home. Have you ever found yourself in a time of struggle, in a time of transition? Maybe you've started school, or a new program, or you've gone back to school, and you're faced with this challenge of a new schedule and a new routine and meeting new expectations. Or maybe you've been in the position where you've moved, maybe to a different city or a state, maybe even to a different country, and you've faced your, you have found yourself in a new city with a different culture and maybe even different customs. Or maybe you've started a new job and you are familiar with the challenges that can come in a time of training and transition. Maybe you've gotten married. Or maybe you remember being married, and while this was, is a joyous time of your life and an exciting reason for transition, learning to live with another person who has a different background, who has different traditions, who has a different schedule, and frankly, who has different household expectations and different household standards, takes time and practice. So remembering all that God has done reminds us of all that God can do in our times of transition. 
We just came out of a sermon series where we were encouraged to ask questions and dig into our faith as individuals and together as a church. Sometimes when we look around our world and we watch the news, it's easy to become disheartened or deflated. We see war, hunger, poverty, natural disasters and death. And we wonder where God can be in the midst of all of these struggles. So what can we learn from David about how to practice offering praise to God even in these moments? Having awareness of every holy moment involves sharing the praise of God between generations. Looking back at Psalm, at the Psalm in verses 4 through 7, we read, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. In the psalm, David looks around at each of God's people, and he is relying on them to encourage one another in their praise, in their worship, during this challenging time of transition. We don't know exactly when this psalm would have been written or how old David was when he wrote it, but based on some of this, because they, I will, type of language, it makes me wonder if David was still a young man and he was learning how to offer up these acts of worship to God from the older generations. This message of holiness in every moment transcends time and spans across generations. Right here at Clay Church, we have worship together Sundays so that our youth can be in worship with us and we can inspire one another's worship. So this charge that David gives to the Israelites still reigns true for us today. An older generation will inspire a younger generation's praise by remembering the ways in which God has been faithful and performed good deeds and mighty miracles in the past. So this passage is not simply about the Israelites passing praise from one generation to the next, but this is also about you and I sharing our personal stories with the children and the youth who will come up and be the next leaders in our church. Those of us on this side of those doors ought to be inspired by the joy and the hope of the next generation. These younger generations, these kids in FaithWorks and at Firehouse, they are noticing the fresh and new things that God is doing. They ask questions that helps us to get to know God and get to know the character of God and his goodness. So what can that look like in each of our lives? How can we impact the next generation to be worshipful? How can we teach them and let them inspire us? This could be as simple as bringing a grandchild, a child, a niece or a nephew into worship with you. Maybe it could look like sharing a meal with a neighbor 
or sharing a meal with a family in our church. Maybe it's getting involved with our own Clay Church children and youth ministries and volunteering on a Sunday morning. Pouring into the next generation might be something that's tempting to think is someone else's responsibility, but the reality that we see here in the psalm is that this is a holy call that God has given to the entire church community. And remember, that holy call means that we are set apart. Praying every moment holy calls us to meditate on our experiences of God's goodness. When we begin to focus our attention, our meditation, and our praise to God, we begin to live into Psalm 145. This concentrated effort allows us to see God's tender mercies in every moment of every day. We may often say that we see God's goodness in some of these big, glorious moments in our lives. Maybe you've seen a gorgeous sunset. Maybe you've experienced God's goodness and his glory on the top of a mountain. Maybe you've experienced God's glory in the birth of a newborn baby. But praying every moment holy also sees God's goodness in the serenity of a rain shower in the promise of a budding tree, and in the simple but necessary role of the common earthworm. How can our mindset shift over the course of the next four weeks if we practiced praying every simple moment and every simple experience like these holy, to make these simple moments be set apart in worship? Praying every moment holy also isn't only about finding God in nature, but that is a fantastic place to start. To truly keep our minds and our hearts centered on holiness, we are called to look around ourselves, at other faces, at the rest of our community. We just learned together about passing praise around between generations, but meditating on God's holiness also needs to leave the walls of the church. Verses 10 through 12 tell us, All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Here again, David senses this responsibility to share the news of God's greatness with others. So we too have this responsibility this opportunity, this necessity to share our experiences of God's goodness with our whole community. God's goodness is available to all. Verse 14 powerfully says that the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The New Living Translation translates this verse as, the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. God's compassion is especially evident to those who have fallen and those who have failed. If you have found yourself in a season of uncertainty, doubt, fear, or failure, 
God does not, respi- does not despise you or reject you. In a time of grief or hardship, God is faithful to come alongside you and hold you close. And if you are not the one facing a challenging time, then you know somebody who is. Praying every moment holy grants those in a season of praise the opportunity to, like the psalm says, uphold and lift up in prayer, to come alongside and to be in support of those around you who find themselves bent beneath their loads. Prayer is a gift that allows us to see and experience every moment of every day as holy, fully saturated with God's presence. This psalm is a beautiful hymn of praise, even in its many translated versions. But one thing that we really miss with the English translation is that Psalm 145 is what is called an acrostic poem. Um, An acrostic poem, if you are unfamiliar, is a poem in which the first letter of each line spells out a word. Um, So in English, it looks something like this. So here we see a poem that spells out the word friends, but then each letter of the word friends also is a characteristic that we look for in friendship. The acrostic poems in the psalms are a little bit different, though. Um, In an acrostic psalm, each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So verse 1 would start with Aleph, which is A, and continues through each letter, um, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and finishes with Tav, which is the last letter. Historically, acrostic poems would have been written by highly skilled wordsmiths and poets. Literarily, they summed up everything that needed to be said or that could be said from Aleph to Tav or by our modern understanding from A to Z. So with this context in mind, we can understand that David offered up praise to God with all that he had with everything from A to Z. These prayers of praise were all inclusive. With the entire alphabet available at his disposal, David prays every moment and every word and every letter holy. With the entire alphabet available at his disposal, David keeps even the potential for praise holy. He has reserved every letter of the alphabet to be used for praise to God. The psalmist isn't the only one who stresses the power of praying in every way and in every moment. Some of you may be familiar with Paul's letters to the Thessalonians where he writes, Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. My prayer is that the start of this 167 series has stirred something up in you, that each one of you will notice God's divine power and presence in every moment of your day, on a warm, sunny day with the sun shining and flowers blooming and birds singing. 
and beautiful sunsets and on the cold, windy, rainy, yucky days. May you see the faithfulness of God in the faces of your neighbors, in the faces of your coworkers, in the faces of a grocery store clerk, of a bank teller. And may you also see the faithfulness of God in the lonely, the grieving, in the face of your friend who shares their tears. I hope that you will find the face of God in a new face this week. Maybe even in the face of someone who you disagree with. To help you notice this splendor and majesty as you go through your week, each of you will receive a card that looks like this on your way out today. It might be hard to see from out there, but there are letters written from A to Z. We have the entire alphabet with a blank beside it. And as you go throughout your week, I challenge you to find holy moments, find holy moments of praise to God and Notice God's characteristics and fill up this sheet from A to Z. And I would love to see it if you bring it back next week. May we go about these moments and notice and meditate on God's holy praise, offering praise to God each day. Amen.